Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello, you're listening to Flaunt, the podcast for women who are ready, ready to strip down, ready to let go of everything that's holding them back, ready to shed their labels, their roles, their scripts, and their expectations that no longer serve them. You are listening to Flaunt, the podcast for women who are ready to manage themselves, to manage their energy, and to live life on their own terms. For women who are ready to wake up every day with enthusiasm for the day and for what's to come. For women who are ready to fall into bed at night with a sense of deep satisfaction that the day they just experienced was a day well lived. So if that sounds like you, you are in the exact right place. I am recording this on International Women's Day or actually International Women's Month or Week or whatever it is. And as part of that, I am featuring women, women who do miraculous things, women who make an amazing difference in the world. And I know that you know, as one of my listeners, oftentimes I have some kind of fancy names and some people who have created some incredible things on my show, and that's wonderful. But at the same time, I really feel like it's important for us to acknowledge the people who are still creating, the people who are still in the trenches, working one-on-one with people who are getting their education, who are putting programs together, and who are about to step onto this world stage and create some big changes. And that's my guest today. My guest today, not only is she, and I'm getting all choked up because not only is she a dear friend, she is brilliant. I kid you not, she is one of the most brilliant women I have ever met. And it is such an honor for me to share her, her wisdom, the way she thinks and everything with you, because this show is going to change your life. And I don't say that lightly. (laughs) My guest is Natalia Gabrea, and she is an energy management coach. She is a coactive trained coach, and she does the executive leadership coaching. But that doesn't even begin to describe her brilliance. She's got a background in chemical engineering from Stanford. She's got a background um, in business from Berkeley. She understands and knows energy management on such a deep level. She is the creator of a wellness studio that's focused on kind of the martial arts. She's the creator of the sixth degree leadership model. She is just so brilliant. And all of her work focuses on having women step into their power, step into positions of leadership, to manage their energy, to get in touch with that inner coach voice and to get rid 
of that voice inside that beats you up and tells you you can do a better job and you're not doing good. So enough of me talking about her. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Natalia. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for that wonderful intro. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I, what I really want you to share is your wisdom and your input around energy and energy management, because especially as women, we've got our families to take care of. We've got our friends to take care of. We've got roles at work. We've got roles in the community. We wear so many different hats. And as is typical of most women, we want to do a good job with everything. And then we get exhausted. And then we wonder what's wrong with us, first of all. And then we get sick and then we don't know why we're wearing out. And then we get overwhelmed because we can't do it all. And then we get frustrated and then we get resentful and pretty soon we're in a really bad state. Can you share with us what you know about energy management? I'm loving this question so much. Uh, And there's so much to say here. You know, one of the things that you mentioned in the intro is that I started a well-being school, actually, that's still a brick and mortar in Los Altos. And Part of that uh, impetus for that was finding a way to communicate energy management early on in our lives to younger people so that the skill of uh, tweaking, managing, conserving, adjusting, working with your energy becomes just as an essential life skill as planning your meals or prepping for the SATs or acing your AP exams. And in fact, so much more essential that it's the first thing that you do when you wake up and you say, as uh, I have a ninth grader, how is my energy today? So what I want to say about energy is, so my experience with energy, first of all, comes as a chemist, the science of chi and the science of energy is really interesting to me. Yeah. It comes from this intersection of uh, movement, being a dancer my whole life, so movement, to later on in my late 20s when I became a martial artist and a qigong instructor in Chi. So for me, energy sits in the intersection of both science and art but also Eastern and Western philosophies and frameworks for thinking about what it is that fuels us every day. And the best way I usually describe energy to my younger students, but I think it's really relevant for all of us. And also the simpler the model, the better is to think of a piano Hmm. and to think of all the white keys and the black keys. And, and the range of possibilities on a piano. There's usually, what, eight octaves? I actually don't know fully yeah. how many octaves are on the piano. But most of our life is spent in the middle C. So middle C is right in the middle of the piano. And that's the first note that kids learn when they learn the piano. And if you go about your daily existence, you're living sort of a middle C energy life. Hmm. It's not really like wow, glorious, full of, and it, you know, it's not like that, but it's not really super down. On average, most of us can cope pretty well with an average sort of middle C life. Right. 
where the exciting opportunity comes is where we actually start to venture out of the middle sea range and start to see what else is there. And I always talk about the energy as being like high quality, fulfilling, enriching, generative energy, right? That's really generative. It's positive. We would say like, it's really, it's filling your bucket. It's filling your tank, right? It's filling your battery. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily have to be easy, right? So like taking a test, becoming a doctor, becoming a lawyer, passing your bar. I would highlight, I would say that was a draining energy, but it's high intensity, high awesomeness, right? Like it has something yes. on on the other side, there are energies or instances or whatever where you feel really drained, like your tank is really down, but the energy was not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It can be somebody's passing. It can be caused by grief. It can be caused by, look at our society, the torment of the constant um, injustices that we continue to see. Right? Yes. But it can also be uh, negative in quality, so depleting, but not necessarily a negative feeling, a negative value, right? So for us to spend time and say, I'm choosing today to not be in middle C. I want to see what's over here. I want to be elated and positive. I want to have an, an energetic life that is more than a middle C. And then you're going to notice, is this feeling draining or depleting for you? Because I don't know. You don't know either. On the other side is the same thing. So then after that, which is part of the healing martial arts methodology that I created in the wellness school, is that it's not as easy as we think to explore the, the piano keys. Hmm. It's not, not like just thinking, uh, I feel tired today. So therefore, that must mean that I'm feeling um, low energy. Because if you really examine that moment for a second, you say, I'm feeling tired today, but boy, I could write three emails. Like I have a whole book in my head. I'm physically tired. I want to lounge with my laptop on my lap and I'm going to, you're an author. I'm going to yes. crank out a chapter, but boy, don't ask me to go to the track to run right now. Cause it's just not the right time. So I discovered there's basically six. That's why I call the six areas of leadership or the six degrees of leadership. There's six areas that generally either fuel or deplete us, right? So there's a very typical things that we've heard before, which is mind, body, and spirit. Right. Um, often yoga programs and sort of inclusive, integrative East-West programs deal with mind, body, spirit type stuff. But then there's also emotional, social, and creative energies. Yes. That generally speaking, I, I literally think to myself, if I just do mind, body, spirit, where do I look at the creation of things? Like, where does the creative energy fit? Because that could really replenish you or yes. really deplete you. I am a creative person. Um, I like to doodle. I, I, I went to art school when I was little, but I would be far from calling myself like an artist. I don't spend a lot of time doing art. I love photography. I do photography. But generally speaking, if you tell me on a really low day, like, go, what would you like to do right now to replenish? It's literally pick up my markers or mm -hmm. my paintbrushes and just opening my journal and just creating Great. something. 
Yes. People tend to think that if they're not creative, like that means visually expressive creators, like they don't have an ounce of ability to draw more than a stick figure. Mm -hmm. They must not be creative people. And I just call baloney on all that. I love that you said that because that is so true. And people will say, are you artistic? Well, I don't do art but I express art, I dance art, I write art, but I don't paint art. Yes. I love that you said that because you're right. If somebody asked me, are you artistic? I'd be like, I'm not artistic, but I'm creative. Yeah, yeah. And, and, And actually, do you see how when you talk about this, like you got energized, like just talking about that, there's a quality to creativity. There's a... I would literally call it an energetic quality. Um, Sometimes I, you know, in, in physics, we measure work. We measure, we have this word called work, right? Work measured in joules. Yes. (laughs) It it measures the energy, right? I really sometimes get so playful and creative around, like, I want to measure my, (laughs) I want to measure my creativity out. Like I want to come up with some kind of scientific way of measuring, um, both of the capacity that it builds back for me, but also what it gets spent, right? Yes. I think I mentioned this to you in a private conversation, energy is neither created nor destroyed. So if I'm creating something, is that where is that energy moving towards? Because you're, you're one closed system, right? right? So that energy gets just moved from one side to the other. The creative energy can then be stored and transitioned into a powerful moment where emotionally you're feeling like, oh, I don't know, this is a tough conversation I'm about to have, but your battery's full because you just finished doing something that filled your, that charged your battery. Yeah. So, um, and then the other, you know, the social and emotional dimensions of our, of our energy. I mean, this pandemic, I cannot think of a better time to really show the whole world that we yes. can't continue to dismiss the emotional and social pieces of our, of our energy. Yeah. Um, we're going bonkers talking on zoom screens, right. And feeling, we call it social distancing, but it's really physical distancing. It is. And everybody, because we physically distance now feels socially distanced because we called it social distancing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not social distancing, it's physical distancing. Right. So now we have to deliberately say, hold up, I'm physically distanced, but what could I do to be socially closer? Yes. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Because there are things that we can do. Yeah. 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 And, and in service of keeping your energy panel, right? Like your battery has these six, I feel like I, I'm talking about a computer game, right? That has these six levels, right? And you want to keep them all at that green level if you had a- <laughs> I love that because right? that is true though. Right. Right. And you don't want them to dip and you think to yourself, oh my God, my social, my social energy is completely depleted. I'm craving connection. Yes. And you know, what's so interesting about you saying those different like panels, like a computer game. And I like that. And I like having it broken down into those six areas. And I see the emotional battery, (laughs) the social, the creative, the mind that I see all of that because sometimes it's hard to figure out what's wrong. I'm sure listeners out there, you've probably had a day where you wake up and you're like, I don't know what the heck is wrong, but I'm off. Yeah. Yeah. And if you know what it is, I'm off. Why am I off? 
Yeah. I need creativity. I need social. I need emotional. I need, if you know what you need, you can get it. Yeah. And circling back to what you said in the beginning with your wellness school that you originally created to help kids understand energy management and to make it a life skill. I'm very aware and astute of energy, but not once. And I'm 52. Not once have I ever woken up and said, what is my energy like today and how can I manage it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a shift. Yeah. Yeah. And it actually, I think it's a practice. Yeah. Right? And the more we are on the rat wheel in the Western culture that we really are on this really rat wheel of performance and exceeding expectations. And let's be honest, it comes from a really important, we live in a world we have to produce, we have to create things. We are expected to put out products, services, great results, all that stuff. That's kind of how our economy works. Totally. And in that conversation, we're missing sort of the next generation of can, how long can we continue using the minimalistic frameworks we had in the past? How long can we continue to stretch ourselves and not completely lose it? And by lose it, I mean, look at the statistics around mental health, right? One out of five women are diagnosed with some kind of anxiety. Um, Depression is just as bad. In the corporate world, it's called a silent killer. Um, I mean, it's corporations spend upwards to like what, $90 million a year on uh, because of people missing work because of some kind of anxiety or depression or mental health issue. we're, our body is keeping score, like that book, right? Our, our body really keeps track of all this. And we're starting to feel the effects of a lifestyle that continues to say, I'm waking up with like a long list of to-dos and I have no time to take a deep breath in and say, what do I need the most of today? Yeah. And what happens if you happen to be in a community that's underserved. I was an immigrant in this country for the first few years of my life, right? Like in eight, when I was 18, like 89 is when I came here. There was very little time for me to consider my well being and my energy management at that point. It was really right. about how are we going to make a living and how are we going to put food on the table tomorrow? And is my mom going to find a job? And am I going to survive high school, which I absolutely hated? Mm-hmm. <laughs> am I going to be okay? transitioning into this new culture. Energy management is the last thing on your priority list. Right. And so I say this to say, sometimes we just need to figure out how to make it a practice to say, Mm -hmm. with what I have and the resources that are in front of me, what do I need to shift from one pocket to another, from one microsystem to another, Mm-hmm. To give myself permission to not be completely dead by the end of this day. Yeah. Right? It could be anything like that to, you know, more privileged opportunities where we can actually literally say, you know what, today I just need to take a break and not work. Right. right. Those of us, those of us who are entrepreneurs, right, who may have the luxury of saying, I'm just depleted. I need to give myself a day of rest. Here's the thing with that, because I love that you said that so often I I will hear people say that I'm just going to take a mental health day. I just need a day off. And then, and I'm not criticizing them by saying this, it's an, it's a lack of understanding on their part. So then you'll check in with them. What did you do? 
well, they played video games or they scrolled mindlessly on social media or they did some other things. And, and it's not about criticizing what they did, but it feels like sometimes we get so depleted that we can't do anything. Whereas we might be better off if we understand energy better and we know I really do need a mental health day. And for me, mental health day means dancing. It means taking a walk in the sunshine. It means calling a person that I love that I've been lonely for. It means, and doing some intentional things instead of the uh, Netflix, video game, Facebook, things like that. Yeah. So I'm so glad you said that because, um, because of the many concerns, many, and, and, you know, I work with women mostly Mm -hmm. because of the amount of anxiety and depression that we're all dealing with. The, one of the first things that comes up for us is really the sense of avoidance is really a sense of, I just can't cope with how much is going on. And so I need to escape somewhere in an episode of Bridgerton or some kind of Netflix binging with some wine, some kind of, some kind of scrolling, some kind of wine or cookies. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought I would eat one Oreo and before I know I'm done with the entire package of Oreos Yes. or with, Oh my gosh, I think I need to up my prescription for some kind of, uh, prescription medicine for anxiety. Yes. But first let me shop a lot and buy four more. Yes. And I'm not judging because Mm -hmm. I have binged on Netflix, avoid the reality of many things. So I want everybody to hear that this is not a, a place of shaming or pointing a finger. We're all doing it. Yes. The most important part there is to recognize that there are thoughts and feelings and sensations that we're experiencing that we're afraid to be with. So a little moment of pause that says what's really happening for me right now and why am I scrolling or could I just give myself permission to stop scrolling for a second? And then, so then you say, well, what do you put in place of it? And I'll tell you, because I have a strong opinion about this. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm following in the footsteps of scholars who will say research says that movement is the medicine. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So the first step, like when I did my well-being school, it is set on a foundation of movement. It includes martial arts and Qigong and some stretching, fitness, conditioning, that kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, the research says that what we need is to move. So if you have a moment of that, oh gosh, I don't, I can't cope with, if I might implore you from the bottom of my heart to put down the scrolling device, turn off Netflix and go outside for a little walk, even if it's 30 degrees outside or zero degrees outside, or, or if it's so cold that you can't do any of that, might you consider doing 10 jumping jacks? Yes. Setting a timer for 30 seconds and doing jumping jacks for 30 seconds. Might you consider turning on a playlist or some songs and just boogieing, like just dance, like nobody's watching, like go crazy, (laughs) Um, just, just move. And then uh, another point to something you said earlier around a mental health day or just an R&R, the rest and relaxation day. I really want people to not think that taking a restful day where you get a massage and a facial 
but your mind can stop scrolling through the endless to-do list and the arguments and the trauma that you've experienced last week with your husband or with your son. Right. That is not rest and relaxation. That is somebody working through your face or you're massaging your kinks in your body while your brain is going 2000 miles an hour trying to figure out how to get a break. Yes. And so one of the things that I talk about in my programs and with my, with my customers is this idea of radical recovery, very much like a, an athlete, like professional athletes whose life depends on showing up and performing at 110% get it. They get the point of how can I continue to play ball for an entire season and get paid as an NBA player without taking care of absolutely my whole state. Mm-hmm. And of course that includes some icing of joints and things like that. And maybe working with a very good physical therapist, getting some taping on that. But if you really carefully look into it, it also includes uh, for many actually pros includes things like martial arts and meditation and practices around having their own coach, like their own life coach that says, where is your mindset? Like, what are you constantly thinking all the time? Um, all of those things are part of the re- radical recovery. It's not just saying, I'm, I'm going to just go to the spa and then tomorrow I'm going to be refreshed. That's, it almost sets you up for failure. For right. Failing. I thought I was going to take a day off and now I need a vacation for my vacation. <laughs> exactly. And that, that, that's not the purpose. Yeah. And, and you're not refueled. You're not, you're not re-energized. Um, and so the steps for that would be to say, literally, look at your six areas of well-being. What feels good to you physically? What feels good to you mentally? Mentally would be that state of mental health. Like I'm feeling, how are you? What are you thinking right now? Where, where's your focus? Focus okay. is part of mental health. Yes, you know, what is your heart saying right now? Mm-hmm. And so much of that, I hear you and I know it to be true in my life and in my world. And I too coach, you know, women around that same thing. The pushback from a lot of people is, well, that all sounds great. And that's wonderful to do at home. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. It's costing corporations billions of dollars, Yeah, but my boss doesn't really care. My company doesn't really care. How am I supposed to spend, you know, 10 hours a day at work with people who don't care? Do you have any insight around how to find that balance and how to manage yourself? Some people have a great organization, but how to manage yourself when you're in the midst of this life and people are saying, Natalia, just get it done. Just produce. I don't really care how you feel. Just show up. Yeah. Um, what I know for true to be true is that your boss and their boss and the CEO cares about results. Yes. At the end of the day, what they care about is results. Yes. If you can demonstrate to your boss (laughs) that you get better results, if you take these three steps or two steps or get a, get a coach, uh, get them to pay for your coaching, get them to pay for your therapy, you can get them to say yes. Because what you want them to connect is you're not taking a vacation, unpa- you know, a paid vacation while you're sitting at the cubicle. Right. What you're most interested in is producing the most results and not burning out in service and longe- of longevity and continued sustained impeccable results for the organization. Mm 
Mm-hmm. That's literally what you have to say. Do they believe you? Do they not believe you? It doesn't matter. Your results speak for it. If you're burnt out and completely out of alignment, you can't produce the results that you need. So then you might say your audience or somebody, somebody in the audience might say, well, where does it start? Right. Is it the chicken or the egg thing? Yes. It starts with one powerful woman one day saying, I have done a really good job reflecting upon my needs. Mm-hmm. And here's the exact need that I have. I need 30 minutes a week with this team mm-hmm. to debrief and do a postmortem every time we've had a big launch. Because without postmortems, we keep rolling without taking a deep breath in and saying, oh my God, amen, we've done this. Yes. I need 30 minutes a day that is uninterrupted lunchtime. So that I can be a better producer at work. At the end of the day, we could easily say, well, it's not easy, actually. It's hard to get out of that space where we, in front of us is a big obstacle. It's a barrier, right? Mm -hmm. The barrier is the boss that says, I'm not going to give you permission to do X, Y, and Z. And the bigger barrier in front of us is our lack of confidence to advocate for what it is that we need. Thank you for that. Because yes, and you were talking about you want women to guide the narrative at work, to really step into that leadership roles. And that's a part of it. The way that we work in this country, especially is not sustainable forever. We are literally and figuratively killing ourselves. And you're absolutely right. One bold woman to say, I need this. And thank you for the examples that you gave. An uninterrupted half hour of lunch. We're not saying I need you to pay for a massage every afternoon for an hour and for me to leave by two o'clock. We're not saying big things. It's an uninterrupted hour. It's that postmortem. Yes, but and and here's a here's a catch. Your uninterrupted lunch hour. I'm asking you to put your phone away. I'm asking you to really, truly be honest with yourself and have one half hour where you chew your food. If you believe in saying grace and and a higher power, just really have some gratitude for this food that's been placed in front of you. Give your body parts, the, the stomach and the liver and all of the body parts that are helping you to process this food. Mm-hmm. Give them some attention. This is called mindfulness, right? Like yes. in more, it's like take the half hour and truly give yourself the blessing of a gift of a lunch that yes. is not rushed. Give yourself permission to not worry about the to-do list that's coming right after the half hour. Trust that you had the wisdom of the experience and the, and the smarts and the know-how to set it up just right. And if it's not set up, not things are not ready for the after lunch time. Just have the, have the wisdom and the belief in yourself that you will be able to shine even if you're not prepared because that lunch hour is so important. Yes. So you're not gonna eat with stress because that's Ooh. actually really what happens, right? You're eating that soup at your desk while you're typing that last email and you say, I had a half an hour lunch. Yes. Yes. You didn't have a half hour lunch. No. Yeah. And you're making, yeah. And you're calling the daycare provider, checking in on things and you're right. setting up an appointment for a plumber. Right. And yeah. So, you know, people might say, how do I get to this place at some level? 
people, you need to shake the carpet and create a little revolution. It's like a boot camp a little bit. You know, you have to say next weekend, maybe in celebration of Women's Day or whatever, I'm just going to take a weekend and call it my boot camp. Yes. I'm going to figure out where am I not being authentic with what I can and cannot do? How much more do I have on my plate that shouldn't be on my plate? What, I, what can I say yes to? What should I say no to? And don't worry about looking good. Just mm-hmm. trust me, honestly, looking good in the grand scheme of our short, finite amount of life that we have on this planet, it's like an energy drain that is not going to give you any payback. There is, you're just energy draining. There's a leak there that says, am I going to get this right? Am I good enough? Is it, uh, it's just draining energy and it's giving you nothing in return. However, go for a run. You'll drain some serious energy and it'll give you lots in return right? You're going to create all those endorphins. (laughs) It's going to boost. It's going to create nothing but boost, boost, boost. So think about the energy draining activities that are really not giving you anything in return. Yeah. I I like that when you talked about, you know, energy is not created or destroyed. That really resonates strongly with me because there are things that just bring me down. Yeah. And if they're not giving me something back, why am I doing it? Yeah. Yeah. And so in a, you know, in an Eastern, in an Eastern framework philosophy in the Tai Chi Qigong philosophy would be this idea that you have this chi, right? We've all heard of Master Ugwe and (laughs) the force, but this idea that you have this energy and you are the closed system. So is energy can either be creative and you're sort of in a closed system. You are the closed system is think about how you can conserve it, right? Instead of it being drained and gone, how can you bring it back, right? Like if you think of a river that's flowing and it has those little tiny areas where maybe there's right under a tree, like yeah. there's leaves and then the, that part of the river is almost stagnant. It's like you, you can almost see like the frogs sitting there. You yeah. want to be a river that is constantly flowing. You want your energy to flow and it flows from positive to negative. It flows from fulfilling to draining. It flows. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with an activity that is energetically draining Mm -hmm. unless you're choosing it deliberately every day, day in, day out as a way to cope with the fact that um, you're really unhappy with your job and you feel like you're not living your life's purpose, but you're just going to scroll because you don't know what step to take next. And that's the key. That is such the key for so many people. They know their marriage is miserable, but they're not quite ready to admit it. They know their job is not what they want, but they don't exactly know what they do want. And at least it pays the bills. They're not really happy with their friendships, their families, their kids, whatever, but they don't know what to do. Yeah. And I will say for those of us who have the privilege to afford it, and I will say you will never find a high caliber athlete working on their own. You really will never find a high caliber athlete. And I do like the athlete, uh, the, the, the sports metaphor, partly because I am an athlete, obviously, but right. we all in America, at least have a culture that really appreciates sports, right? Yes. These top athletes have athletic coaches that look at the game and help them analyze the game. I used to coach basketball, right? We would call the team and call timeout and like draw the game on a whiteboard and say, your defense is like, here, here's the play we're going to do next. Right. Sometimes when you're in it, it's really hard to see the play. That's why the coach says, 
here's right in football. They have people who watch from the top, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. You can't see sometimes you're in the midst of it. So this is where the social well-being is so important, right? Social well-being doesn't just mean you, your friend. It really means having a group of people who would be your personal board of directors, right? Like this is not my idea. It's been mentioned before in many, many places, but this idea of having your personal posse, personal mastermind, personal group of people who will basically say, hey, I've heard you talk about your marriage for six months now. Mm-hmm. How can I help you? How can I hold your feet to the fire just a little bit, not to where you feel burned, but where you feel accountable so that how much longer are you willing to take this miserable life instead of giving yourself permission to claim something else? Yeah. Right. Which Um, is huge. It's absolutely huge. And so, so for, for that, like, I really want to tell people when they think about their it's no problem for people to think about giving money to an airline to fly to Costa Rica or to Cancun. Uh, it's not no problem for people to get a facial or a massage. That's all this stuff, right? Or spend money on a $300 pairs of boots or whatever. Right. But come a good coach who says my package is $2,500 or whatever. Um, and they go like, well, I don't know. Right. You can't, I'll just re- I'll just restate this. You want big results and big shifts in your life. You need a coach. It can be a pastor in church. It can be your best friend. It can be a hired coach, but you can't do it alone because you can't see what you don't see. It's like looking at yourself and only seeing how many of us look in the mirror and only see the wrinkles. Like raise your hand. Listen, if you're listening to this. Yes. How many of you are looking in the mirror and seeing the cellulite on your butt and Mm -hmm. seeing nothing else except that? Yes, because that's how we look. We have this filter that says, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm missing something. Something's not quite right with me here. And it takes an outside perspective that can say, well, is that really, truly the whole story? Or is some other person talking right now? Who's Mm -hmm. talking right now? (laughs) Right. And it's true because, you know, and this goes into bridges so nicely with my work too, that So often women that I work with will say, I can't do that because I'm a mom or I can't do that. And it's like, okay, so let's, you can't do that because you're a mom. What is the story in your head about a mom? Because I've never read that rule that a mom can't do that. And it does. Yeah. And it does take somebody else just asking you that because we do grow up with beliefs. Well, when you're married, you do this. When you're an adult, you do this. If you live here and then, oh, what a silly little story in my head. And I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah. And I love that. And I think since, you know, this is a, perhaps a call for women's international women's movement is that we all become each other's allies a lot more. Yes. There is no such thing as perfect. No. Um, I, I do see it quite a bit in, in, in the community that I serve. This, this needs to present yourself a certain way. Because it needs to be looked, you have an image to uphold or, you know, that's all crazy pants. Like we, can we, can I ask boldly to give ourselves permission to hold imperfection somewhere higher than we do right now? Because if we were men, I will claim it very boldly again. We don't have the same obsession with imperfection. Look at our politicians. Most of them are men. Yes. Uh, we don't. And they're very imperfect. Very imperfect. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. And they're okay. However, each other with that though. However, women, 
Not so much so. We really have to get it right. We need to get it right by our kids. We need to bake the cookies just right and have the 20,000 uh, you know, decorations up. I'm, yes. I'm not, I know, I know you like decorations. I'm not, I'm not picking on you, but I'm just saying like, you know, that sense of if you like decorations, great, but if you're doing it because you need to keep up a facade for a pretense for somebody else to think something of you, might I give you permission to recognize that as an energy drain? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't do it. And it's not, it's not going to fuel your next 20 years. It will not provide for you in your retirement it will not help you have better relationship with your children when they're 30. Right. Right. And you hit the nail on the head. You brought two, two concepts together, women supporting each other and energy drain. If decorating or baking cookies or whatever it is fuels you, then go for it. Absolutely. You know, if, if getting your cosmetic procedures and looking absolutely stunningly beautiful is done because it fuels you, that's entirely different than, oh, I've got another wrinkle and oh, now I have to do this and oh, I can't do that. It's that drain. And that expectation level, I find it interesting because men, I believe, are more okay with imperfection in other men and supporting them. Yeah. Then women are, we'll be like, oh, but you should do that. Natalia, you should just do that. You should. And we, we're not, that's not supporting each other. That's, actually very critical. Yeah. And, and a couple of years ago, when I was kind of going through a down part of my life, I, I was seeing a therapist and he, he boldly said to me, what would it look like if you had permission to be a C parent for a while? And it freaked me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he, I own my own business. So he said, you know, I would suggest, you know, maybe get a B minus in business for a while, because you do need to feed your family and support. And that's your, that's your livelihood. But maybe just be a C parent for a while. And it shocked me how I wasn't able to comprehend what he was asking me. Like, I was like, what do I give up? Like their bedtime is at eight and I have to do reading of stories before bedtime and they have to eat vegetables and fruits every day. And I realized how many shoulds I had for being a good parent, right? Yeah. Myself permission to have Wednesday nights, which were a busy night to be fast food night. And uh, you know, and, and you know, all of this in response, like every human being, I have so much compassion for all of us because we're all reacting to the things that we've grown up with, right? Either they affected us in a negative way. So then we swing the pendulum and we say, never again, will my children ever have to deal with this? Right. Or, and so everybody does their best in the moment with what they have. This is, this is always an invitation to explore what else is there rather than feeling like, God, I'm getting this all wrong. It's just this invitation to say, what if your life really truly felt like a beautiful walk through a a woods every day? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or if your life is more like um, sitting with the margarita on the beach, what would it look like if you're, and it's not the looking of the sand, whatever, it's the energy, the sensations, the feelings yes. that you feel inside of your body where you're like, gosh, I feel so good right now. Right. And, and why could you not have that? Um, yeah. We are going to take a quick break for a commercial. And when we come back, I want to go into that a little bit more about, how it feels and permission to feel good. Because I think part of it is a culture 
our, our culture's belief that it's supposed to feel bad and that we're supposed to sacrifice. So when we come back, I want to talk about that. And I want to wrap up with you talking a little bit about, because I know we had talked about this personally before, the one, the two, the three, you know, into the 5,000. So we will be back in just a minute. So stay close. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra. Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. And we are back talking about all things energy, energy management, the understanding of energy. And the reason that we're talking about it is not to go be hyper producers and do more, 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 more. The reason we're talking about energy management is so we can feel good, so we can live, so we don't end the day or end our life with a sense of, wow, that was it? Hmm. So sad. So let's go right there. Let's talk about this idea that it's supposed to be hard, this idea that we're not supposed to have fun, and this idea that if it feels really, really bad, it makes us more worthy because we're really pushing through. Can you talk about that in terms of some of the East-West stuff? Um. I love this question. And I'm, I'm just going to react with the first thing that came to mind, which is that I do teach martial arts to children. And one of the things that I love to see in my school is women learning how to fight. Yeah. Young girls learning how to fight. And I cannot tell you, I've had this business for 15 years, how many times I have heard my son is going to enroll, but not my daughter because Girls can't learn how to fight. It's not a girl thing. Equally to that, how many times I have had parents, almost the same identical parent, when their daughter is ready to go to college, come to me and say, can you please teach my daughter a couple of self-defense techniques because they're going off to college. And I'm really worried about the statistics around rape in college. It is the most frustrating to me to see how embedded and ingrained this should is in our world. Mm. Girls should not speak up. Girls should not fight. Girls should not be aggressive. Also becomes girls cannot be aggressive. Girls cannot be powerful with their voice. Girls cannot defend themselves all the way to where we make an assumption that at some point in our life, we will be harassed, molested, God forbid, raped, because yeah. let's face it, that's actually the truth. Right. So that is kind of a drastic answer to your question, which is, can you examine where your story came from? the story around what you should and shouldn't do 
(laughs) what you can give yourself permission to have and not have. And I'll give you this other example, which is I teach, I mean, Laura, you do this as well as a personal trainer. We teach women how to be strong physically around, you know, usually it starts really with a serious passion after your pregnancies and your birth. You realize, oh my gosh, I've lost everything. Now I have three bellies. I don't know. My abs are separated. I can't, right? Yes. But really the truth is when osteoporosis really starts to kick in, right? And you do your test and you realize, oh my God, my bones are so frail that they're going to rip and break apart at the first step. And you think, how, how could this be? And we all know that the only thing that makes a bone stronger is the load placed upon it, speaking yes. of physics, right? That's how what makes a bone strong. Yet, what do we tell women and girls ever since they're little? You can't lift weights. You're going to build muscles. It's going to make you look masculine. You're going to look like a guy. Right. All these interesting stories and stereotypes and, and, and uh, somebody else's rule that's ruling your life now that we just never even have the time to examine, to say, wait a minute. Yeah. What's wrong with showing a little bit of bicep? Yes. Who's, whose definition of beauty am I wanting as some Instagram account or my desire? I'm like, my desire is to be 120 cognitively fully here contributing and serving the way God wanted me to serve, right? Like that's yeah. my vision for my life. That means I need my bones. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm doing weight training four times a week. <laughs> right. Because you need them. Yeah. I need my bones. I don't want to number one injuries, hip injuries, right? You need martial arts to take care of your injury uh, of your hips. You need to do Tai Chi and Qigong and stretching and flexing and pulling your legs all over your head, yoga, that kind of stuff. Did I answer the question kind of went off a tangent, but yes, no, it it totally makes sense though, because you came back around to it perfectly. What you want is you want to be 120 and feel really darn good. And you need to take the steps to get you there. And that's part of that being intentional and knowing what drains you and what doesn't drain you and what feels good and what's hard, but feels good at the end, because weightlifting can be hard and it can be boring until it's done. And then it's like, Ooh, that feels really, really good. (laughs) So that absolutely does answer it. And I, I want you to talk about that. The one, the two, the the many, because that, that caused me to think, and I think it'll make our listeners think too. And I think that's a really perfect way to end the show. So it's a little bit out of context, but that's okay. One yeah. of the things I really like, and I always invite people when we talk about creativity, I said the creativity was one of my, you know, areas where I give, I get a lot of energy is to think about just similarly to how people might use a, um, a, a bookshelf holder for storing, lining up their shoes. You see that in Instagram accounts where we're like, oh, new creative way to organize your shoes. And they're using like a lid pot, some organized, right? So they're using things out of context. Yes. I tend to do the same with science. I tend to do the same <laughs> with all kinds of ideas. So I want to present this concept from Qigong and, and Tai Chi, which is around the this, this primordial Qigong, the beginning of the beginning of energy discovery. And the story says that first there was the one. Now in our Christian, for example, I'm Christian personally, but in our Christian philosophy, that doesn't feel at all strange, right? The first there was the, the God, right? God was there, but right. in, in this 
tradition, uh, in ancient Chinese tradition, there's, there's the oneness, the oneness before anything else was one. Um, and that's the one of energy. It's like this giant orbit of powerful force and chi, and it's the one. Um, and after that, it's two. It splits into two, and it's the duality of night and day. We, we literally could map that a little bit for myself because I have done that kind of work to, to the Bible a little bit, right? There was, yeah. and then dark there was, light. so the dark and the light. So we, 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 we can map this kind of thinking across many traditions of thinking, um, ancient times. So there's the one, then there's the duality. There's the two, mm-hmm. the night and the day, the hot and the cold, the depleted or replenished, right? So there's the, what we sometimes, very Westerners call this a yin yang in Chinese you, you culture, you won't hear them talk about yin yang that much, but we kind of put it into the little picture of the symbol of the Bagua symbol. After the two is the three. So three is really interesting. It's this idea of the earth has its own energy, then the sky, the cosmos above has its own. And, and we as humans, we're sort of on the surface of the earth in between with the third treasure, but it's also an internal, like if you considered your own system as, as, if you have like three sources of energy, like a, a energy that comes from the water that you drink, the food that you eat, the exercise, what you do with your body, then there's an energy of, of um, what you think and what you feel. And in Chinese, they call this the heart mind. So, uh, so there's the three and the three is an invitation to consider for yourself at all times, you know, how am I eating? How am I sleeping? What am I drinking? How is that supporting my overall flow of energy? Then the heart mind one, which is extremely important. What are the feelings and emotions that are either replenishing or draining, right? How much hatred, um, how much uh, fear, how much anger, how much resentment is present for me today? And how much joy, how much delight, how much awe, how much wonder, how much curiosity you see how like there's like a whole map of these energy uh fluctuations right like really draining and negative all the way to really uplifting and positive and then the third one is really where's my spirit like where's my it's like literally they call it the upper dantian it's this idea that you're cultivating energy around who you are what is your purpose how are you aligned with source whatever that means to you whatever your own um you know, spiritual vibrations might be about. It's this idea that you are small. There's something bigger at play than us here. And sometimes for some of us, we can literally see like, oh my gosh, there's, there's some, you know, we, we look at the planets to understand, right? Like there's a bigger force here at play, but it's this idea of the three. After the three, it's the four, the wisdom of the four energies. And in our planetary, like in our world, we were organize ourselves it's the the energy of the the points north south east west right yes um and it doesn't take that much just think about the 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 winter the north and what does your energy do however if you love to live in if you live in a nordic country that is your energy source the the north is your birthplace it's what gives you life it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a negative thing you do have to appreciate the wonder and the, the richness of each cardinal point. Yes. The west, the east is the sunrise. The west is the sunset. What is the south, right? So you're, 
really profoundly connecting with even within yourself. Where's my north? We even say it actually. We have the language. My north say, star. Yeah. Where is your north star today? If you're completely like lost and agitated, and you have to literally say in a prayer or in a mindful moment or in a meditation, I thought, where's I need to realign with my north star? What the heck am I doing here? Right. right. So we literally call it out. Right. Um, after the fourth, the fifth, the five elements, um, it's the five, the fifth dimension, the five energies of the elements, um, wood, fire, metal, water, earth. Exactly. Yes. 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 So what's really interesting in this Chinese uh, philosophy, it goes one, two, three, four, five, 10,000. There's no more six. There's no more seven. It's just after five, we kind of get bogged down with 10,000 things to do, 10,000 relationships, 10,000 considerations, 10,000 practices, 10,000 ideas. 10, it's, you see what I mean? So yeah, what I love about that for energy management is if you're feeling completely scattered and lost and thrown about, rise up, come up, come to the fifth, come to the fourth, come to the third get all the way to the one and figure out where's your oneness. What is that about? Who is it that's talking to you? Is it your inner voice? Cause it could very well be your North star. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. And so using that as a guidance for reflecting, uh, conserving, adjusting, playing with your concept of self energy, right. And self leadership. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. To me, that was something that I had to think about and I had to process, but it was so beautiful because I do spend so much time in the 10,000s. And I think so many people do, especially women, your kids, your family, your friends, yourself, your body, your age, your hair color, your like, literally we are a million different places. And to bring it down to five, I can do that. To bring it down to four, now I can do that. It's that instead of 10,000, 9,900, you know, whatever, take it down to five, four, three, two, one. That resonated so strongly with me. Thank you. You're welcome. Where can listeners learn more about you? Uh, I have a website, nataliagabria.com. And if people want to contact me, the best place to do that is on LinkedIn, actually. I, I sit in LinkedIn and I hang out there. Perfect. And I it's it. under Natalia Gabria, pretty much Perfect. everywhere. Perfect. And I will put that in the show notes at the bottom too. And listeners, thank you so much for spending your energy to listen to this show, to be with us. It is my most sincere hope that this show created energy, that it energized you, that it gave you something to think about, that it gave you some tools to use, and that going forward in your day, in your week, in your month, in your year, whatever it is, that you'll be like, yeah, I've got that. And that you will have some understanding of energy, whether it's just waking up in the morning and saying, what is my energy today? Or Asking yourself at various points throughout the day, does going to Costco energize me or drain me? And then doing something with that energy. To close out the show, I would like to zoom Zira right in on that creative 
and social piece that we talked about. Remember, there's the mind, body, spirit, but it goes deeper into those six things, the emotional, social, and creative. And invite any of you to join me Friday nights, four to five mountain time on Zoom for a burlesque and bubbly class. If creativity is one of your things, it's absolutely creative. If movement is one of your things, and it's all of our things, it will give you the opportunity to move. And if being social is something that you miss, yes, it's on Zoom, but at least you can talk with other women who are craving the same thing you are. Go to burlesqueandbubbly.com, and it's spelled out burlesque, A N D bubbly.com. Sign up and I cannot wait to see you one of these Fridays. Have an amazing week wherever you are. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E dot com.